you sick and tired of the financial bondage that's been holding you back? Are you ready to take charge of your finances to cut your mortgage payment in half while reducing your taxes significantly? If yes, then this podcast is for you. Fiscal Fitness and Freedom can pay off the national debt in less than 10 years. So from humble beginnings of just about $500, Scott built a billion-dollar mortgage company. So here's your host, Scott Smith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fiscal Fitness and Freedom. And today, we're going to be talking to a friend of mine. We've known each other over the years, Tom Janelli. And I asked Tom if he'd be on a podcast, and he said, hey, wait, I'm, I'm not like an economic expert or anything. And, and I said, actually, you know, it's small businesses with their feet on the ground in, in you know, in, right in the true market of the monetary material economy that, that make the world go round. And I would deem you to be more of an expert than a lot of the, uh, you know, what do they call them? Talking heads or pundits out there. <laughs> and so- so Tom runs an equipment leasing financing company, and and here's here's why we're talking to Tom. We're going to talk about his views of the current state of the economy, where 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 people are stressed right now, and we're also going to talk about what would happen if the Financial Freedom Act was put in place. And there's everybody's heard of economic indicators, so interest rates, unemployment rate, et cetera, et cetera. But there's two economic indicators over the years that I've always looked to that I call them leading economic indicators because they catch things early. One of them was actually a common knowledge and discussion on Wall Street, and it's how many taxis are in the street, you know, how long does it take to hail a cab? And that before a recession would hit. Six months before, volume on taxis would go way down, and you could rely on that. There's another economic indicator. I have a number of friends who are CPAs that work with small businesses, and they can tell you that percentages of companies that are struggling with payroll, meeting payroll, small businesses, goes up and down based on the economy. And before an economy slides into a recession, you see the struggles with small businesses six to 12 months in advance very clearly. And so that, that was why Tom agreed to come <laughs> on board because he gets to see all of this directly. So why don't you talk a little about what's entailed in deciding to finance somebody's semi or you know what, what in an equipment lease what do you need to qualify for somebody and you know and what are the trials and tribulations that they have as the borrower or you know and you have as the financier because most of our listeners that's going to be news for them you know they're gonna you know they've not seen behind those scenes okay well to begin with uh you know it starts of course with the credit application Mm -hmm. And then it, and when our most, most companies, I think, would have all the principals uh, involved would have to sign. And in our case, the spouses as well. Um, oh, OK, let's, let's right. look at that for one second. That's um, so. Yeah. 
so there's a general obligation. There's a recourse. Right. Recourse. Exactly. Recourse. Okay. The, yeah, there's been instances where, you know, assets have shifted hands behind the scenes and the principal has come up empty and filed bankruptcy. And yet he's got a functioning business with his wife, but she didn't sign. So there's no, right. no recourse for our company. So having learned that lesson the hard way, we, we now require spouses and, and partners. Mm -hmm. So that's, well, let, let me contrast that for an, in, an interesting, because like, if you're going into a VC in Silicon Valley, right. they're going to bet 50 million on your company. There's no recourse. So the truth in, you know, the truth for middle America is, is always tougher than the glamorous stuff you read about, you know, or see on social media, you know. All right. Yeah, it's, yes, it's not necessarily easy. That's for sure. That's, and, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. I guess the savvy business owners is, is our best customer. And then, then, you know, with the credit application, of course, we run their, uh, their credit. We can work with yeah, B, C, and sometimes D credits, depending, because it is uh, asset-based. So then the next course thing is the, uh, is the truck or trailer or whatever the piece of equipment is that we're looking at. Uh, we do a uh, evaluation on that to make sure that, you know, we're in the right price range and everything's correct and and what we're into it for so to speak and should we have to turn around and resell it what's the market you know what's right. the current market for that uh, asset so then uh, the credit the asset itself and then their uh, the health of their uh, bank accounts and their their cash flow is the next thing that we look at so assuming everything is is there and you know meets our standard then uh, we'll go ahead and issue the paperwork and we do we do obtain a power of attorney so we can do uh, the title work on behalf of the customers mm -hmm. and because we are listed as a of course lien holder holder and uh, lost payee when you're when you're looking at when you're looking at documenting someone's income like how would you i mean how big of a factor do you think taxes are today in how people avoid using a bank or how they, you know, you know, okay. trying to avoid um, the taxes, you know. Right. Well, a lot of times that can, that can turn around and bite because we're looking for, you know, the number of uh, trade accounts that they have over time. And if they, mm -hmm. you know, come back with a real low number, like four trades and, and a real high credit score, well, they might be revolving credit. And they might have a credit limit of, you know, $200 or something, uh, you know, 700 score, but they, they don't have any depth to their credit. And, and yet they might own 14 trucks and, you know, drive a $100,000 Escalade, but they don't, <laughs> they don't have anything that shows that they, have, you know, own those assets other than the, their titles. They paid cash for everything and, you know, they don't have any business credit. Or actually, you know, personal credit. Is that like extremely rare? Is that like twenty percent of the time, or how you know? Because you kind of gives you a snapshot of how. I don't know. You know, we're we're not here to try to hang small businessmen, but like, what what percentage of people out there that you would be dealing with do you think are aggressive in avoiding taxes? <laughs> Maybe. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> I would. I 
I maybe naively, but I would, from what I see, I, probably a pretty lot, a pretty high percentage. As a lender in the '90s myself, I remember whenever somebody would come in, they'd want to finance particularly a parking garage. Now they use credit cards, but in the '90s, it was an all-cash business. And you look at their tax returns; these guys were paupers. They were like barely surviving, but you're right. They were driving the $100,000 Escalade. And right. that was, I mean, maybe half of the borrowers, you know, and, and you would look at that. And that was part of what drove me to even think through a payment tax as opposed to income taxes, because there's, you know, so much evasion going on. You know. Right, and that, and you know, I didn't even think about that in, in terms of your your the payment tax. That would satisfy that issue because yeah, exactly. I think it's pretty prevalent. You know, yeah, I, I I'd say it's it's probably at least fifty percent, if not more. That's you know. what my experience had been. So that's interesting. Yeah. So today's economy, I'm billing you as an early economic indicator, like our. Are businesses thriving? Are they having trouble? I mean, like, what's sort of the range you're seeing right now? Well, in the uh, in the trucking industry, it's it's tough. It's, mm -hmm. There, there, there's trouble. A lot of well, during the pandemic, when there was all the stimulation money or stimulus money, excuse me, everybody was jumping into trucking because you know the whole world was ordering from Amazon, and you know the the final mile, what they call, was was booming. And so it was, so it was shipping and all everything because everybody wanted their cheap products that they were at home playing with, mm -hmm. whatever. but then all that ended. And so did the, you know, half of the, 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 the jobs, the, you know, the, the trucking jobs. And, and so uh, people that became new owner operators that, you know, just heard from a friend of a friend that it was a good business to get into and they were using job boards. And they have a truck payment. And now all of a sudden, the, the job boards are offering less dollars than it takes for them to drive per mile. And they, wow. they it might cost them $6 or $5 a mile to drive their truck. And they're getting paid, you know, seven. And wow. yeah, for $2 a mile, that, yeah, I mean, I don't know. But it, it, it doesn't work out. Yeah. And so the guys with the inexperience are taking the, the low paying jobs and the guys that have cash accumulated and trucks that they own, they might still have some of it in debt, but they can afford to let their truck sit and wait it out. Oh, okay. Interesting. And the new guys, they're, they're running themselves into the ground. Because a lot of them are, are you know, running, say, for $4, for $4 and it costs them 5 so every mile they're losing a dollar, but they right. have to make a truck payment. But you know, and eventually it's going to run out. But right, exactly. Uh, and, they, and how much are high interest rates exacerbating that problem right now? Oh gosh, rates have gone up exponentially. Yeah, yeah. Ours, yeah, they they not quite doubled, but they they're almost doubled. They're, yeah. And it's like in a mortgage when interest rates were back low, it was roughly half of a mortgage payment is for interest. Now that that varies from the beginning of your mortgage to the end of your mortgage. But right. if you if you paid a mortgage for 30 years and paid it off, half the payments, half the money you would have paid would have been interest and half would have been principal. Today 
that figure is changing more like two thirds is interest in a third, it, it maybe a bit more. So you're paying more to the bank than you are to the guy who built the house, you know, right. and you guys, you have a cost of funds, you know? And so when the interest rates go up, your lease rates go up, you know, right. and if we were to have banking 2.0 and you were able to obtain capital from the Fed at little to no cost, that would significantly impact your business, of course. Absolutely. Do you have any sense as to like how that would make operating a truck a lot easier, I would imagine. If oh we, yeah. If well, it, it, 2.0. If even if you look at, you know, what I don't even think it's that high, but if like you were saying about the mortgage, if it's 50 50, 50 towards the bank and 50 to the product. Imagine that they, you know, instead of one truck and barely scraping by, they, they, they'd have one truck and doing great, or they could hire a driver and get the second truck okay. for the same money that, that they would have before. That's actually As, a really good example that, yeah. So I think that like when I was putting the book together, I was, I would say there's really two taxes out there. You know, there's the government's taxes and there's the monetary system how it's taxing us in so many different ways. And that illustrates it. So it makes a, yeah. And then the other piece that I was interested in is like, so you're looking at that cost of finance for the truck, but the truck is picking up goods and supplies that were manufactured somewhere. There's a cost of finance for the factory. There's the cost to finance the raw materials there's the cost to finance all the equipment you're putting into the factory. You know, I mean, it's a long chain. And oh, plus, plus the shipping and receiving aspects and all of that part of it as well. Yes. So like if you were to add up the cost of finance throughout the whole supply chain, it's it's got to be half of it, I would think. <laughs> I would wager probably more. Probably more. So in other yeah. words, you buy, buy a product for 20 bucks at Target. 10 to 12 was the financing cost. Then, then you're like, okay, so put that to the side. So out of that $8 of the $20, all those entities were taxed, you know, at maybe 15 to 30%, 15 to 40%. So let's say, let's just call it 30%, you know, out of the $8, another two to $3 were taxes, you know, yeah. then you have your sales tax. And so- you're looking at maybe on a $20 product, you could have been paying $5 at the retail end of it, you know, for, for that, that product. If you didn't have the monetary economy as egregious as it is in the high cost of taxes today, that's kind of amazing to think about that. And, and, you know, it's kind of amazing to me that small business works. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you look at what, you know, your, your idea of a quarter of a percent per transaction. So that product can change hands three or four times, say four times <laughs> to make it even. And you're only, it's only going up one point, which right. is, and which is astronomical, you know, in, in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Versus probably 15 or more. Right. Yeah. At least. Yeah, we just do not realize, you know, we right now people are hurting from inflation, but we do not realize how much 
taxation and the monetary economy actually contribute to that inflation. Even within the structure of consumers who are competing with each other for buying goods, you know, the ones who, you know, those people who are earning their incomes in the monetary economy, but not producing any goods and services, but consuming them, you know, you look at the people who are actually out there producing everything and delivering it. Yeah. They really get the short end of the stick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I, re I remember you reaching out to me after you read some of the earlier versions of the book, like, right. what, like what, like what was your gut feeling? I remember you had, you had some pretty, I loved your comments back then. I try to remember. I mean, just from, you know, just from my gut now, from what I recall, it was, it was the freshest idea that I'd heard come down the pike for ages. And it solved all the problems. 90% of the government is taxation and, and worrying about, you know, they, they tell you one thing and do another. And when I'm running for election, I want your money. So, hey, I'm going to drop taxes. Everybody's going to live in paradise. Everything's wonderful. And then the second they get in, oh, sorry, we can't do that. The economic reality is... And and that to me is is shouldn't have to be, right. and they you know they could actually govern versus you know whatever they're doing now, and it, it, so that part of it I think would be awesome. Keep keep them out of business, and let let capitalism do what it's designed to do. You know, it allows I I think that overall people have more money. You're going to have more entrepreneurs. You're going to have people more willing to take a chance on their idea. And they're going to spend more money on educating themselves because it'll be more affordable. And because you know, they can get a student loan at a fraction of what they can could before. There'll be no need for forgiveness I and mean, that kind of silliness. And, and of course, we'll have to revamp the education. But that's a that's a different story, too. A good education is still available if you want. Yeah. You know, my heroes, they all went to the library. Pretty novel. <laughs> so I think, you know, the, my my thought was like, well, this, this solves like 90% of our issues, you know? Yeah. And you still have people that are going to hate because they love to hate. You know? right. And oh, well, you know, you, you can't help those people. But but you can help the people that are like, are that want to and and that would, would join in on a, an idea like that because they could see the, the benefits, you know, even if all they see is, wow, an extra, you know, 15, 20 grand in my pocket a year. It's Imagine what I could do with that. Yeah. We may have some listeners to this podcast that hadn't actually read the book, or this might be the first, first episode. So I'll, I'll summarize it real brief. What Tom is talking about this relief that would come about comes comes about in the proposal, I call it the Financial Freedom Act. And it's the it's a discovery I met when I started made when I started researching the flow of money in the economy. And we have a GDP of around 21 trillion. We all collectively earn around 21 trillion dollars. And and so our sales taxes are against the 21 trillion and our income taxes are against the 21 trillion. And we pay our property taxes out of the 21 trillion. And in the meantime, in the monetary economy, the sale of financial assets. So those would be treasury bonds, mortgage-backed securities, commodities, crypto, stocks, bonds, you know, all that stuff. 
the volume of money that trades hands there is over $9,000 trillion. So here we are taxing this $21 trillion at 20 30 40% plus another 8% when you go to target <laughs> and we're not paying the not taxing the 9000 trillion so if we were to pay if we were to charge a quarter percent every time money moved hands that includes when you get paid instead of whatever income you're paying to tax you're paying today you'd only pay a quarter percent in other words if you're earning around 30000 you're paying 6000 today but you'd only pay 75 under that it's like what a game changer. We're taxing the wrong thing when we tax income instead of payments. Furthermore, if you did that program, you'd collect so much money out of the 9,000 trillion that changes hands that you could, we'd have a balanced budget. We'd have, we could pay every adult citizen 24,000 year basic income. We could pay for free healthcare. We could pay for free college. And we have a $5 trillion surplus in the government instead of a one and a half trillion dollars deficit. So it's just, that's what Tom means. It just solves so many problems. We pay off our national debt in eight years. We would have a surplus. And we wouldn't be a debtor nation anymore. You wouldn't. We're paying. Uh, you know, it's up about half a trillion a year in interest now. You know, we wouldn't be paying that anymore. And it's such a simple solution. It's obviously would appeal to a Democrat or a Republican. And that's what the podcast is about. But we. We meet different people like Tom and, you know, we met a bond trader to make sure it worked for him, you know, and it's the, the big question is, why are we not doing it? And the answer is very few people know of me, of, of the proposal. And so sharing with your friends, that's the key. A couple of years of sharing, eventually this gets in the mainstream news and uh, then the politicians will get to weigh in on do they want to reduce our taxes from 39% to a quarter of 1%, balance the budget and give us all these benefits? Kind of crazy that this is not the mainstream news today. I agree. Yeah. I agree. That's yeah. I I had almost had forgotten about all the other benefits, the, the balancing of the budget, which is, you know, no more kicking it down the road. Oh, yeah. But our government is, comes to, it's become a game between right. Democrats and Republicans. They, they, bring us to the brink. They're both guilty of it. They bring us to the brink of a shutdown. And and then they wrangle something out of each other, you know. And Laura And they showboat my, the whole thing. Yeah. My co my host on this in another podcast, she asked a really interesting question, Tom. She said, if the government shuts down, do the members of Congress still get their pay? And I said, I didn't know. So she went and researched it. And guess what? They still get their pay. The government shuts down. Nobody else in the world does. All these other government employees don't get paid anymore, but Congress members do. And so we researched it further and they are not on the same health system as we are. If you are in Congress, even when you retire, you have free health care rest of your life. You get a, a, a pension for the rest of your life. Right. You know, and if the government shuts down, you're still paid. It's, you know, it's kind of ludicrous. So, yeah, that's that's this little tool they have to war with each other. And we citizens are the ones that, that pay um, for it all. Yeah, we pay for all that. And, and uh -huh. yeah, so, yeah, this stuff, this this simple solution needs to get out there. I am so curious whether Congress people are so out of touch 
if they heard the, about this, would they try to bury it? Would they look the other way? Or would they really embrace it and say, oh my gosh, my constituents' lives would be so much better? I've sent it to a few people and haven't heard back from any of them. Some local politicians. Yeah, it's know? like it goes I into a black afraid. hole when it goes, when it goes yeah. I think yeah. they're afraid. Oh, if I speak about this, what well, you know, I'm going to stick my neck out, and I, you know, you get your neck chopped off when you do that. Maybe that's and, what but, it is. So, so it has to come out from the people themselves. It I, to, I agree. It has to come up as something that starts getting buzz on Twitter, or now it's X, you know, Facebook, right. or maybe it's Meta now. You know, yeah, whatever I name they guys want to go by. Whatever they call the platform now, you know. But if the people are talking about it at some point in time, I think the politicians have to address it. So that's our 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 ask of anyone watching this is just keep sharing this. Keep sharing it. I think if it's shared for another two or three years, eventually it becomes um, well known enough that maybe they can't ignore it anymore. But that's that would be incredible. It would be. It would. Well, Tom, thank you for being on the show. And um, thank you, everybody who's listening in on this. We'll all share this and keep working at it. And maybe we are, it's right under the noses of the powers that be. It could be done. It'd be done. It's right. I look forward to it. I do too. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Scott. See you soon. Bye bye. So that's it for today's episode of Fiscal Fitness and Freedom. Head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value. Grand prize drawing for a private VIP mentoring session with Scott Smith himself. Be sure to head on over to FiscalFitnessAndFreedom.com and pick up a copy of Scott's blueprint, to discovering your own unique formula to personal success and join us on the next episode.